Sequestside. Good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It is Thursday, November 2nd, 2023, and I'm glad you could join us today. If you've been listening to SWAT Radio for a while or it's your first time just tuning in, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And uh, Monday through Wednesday, we usually uh, go over whatever we're studying in the Bible. We're currently in Mark. Uh, chapter one it looks like we're going to be in mark probably through the end of the year uh just going through that gospel and um then on thursdays we uh usually have a guest and today's guest is a guest who's been on here before we're still waiting on him to call in uh we're having some technical difficulties trying to get him through but his name is greg kukul and uh, greg wrote a book called tactics uh, that uh, he put out uh, a few years back and it is an incredible book in dealing with uh, basically having conversations with people about your faith it, I call it verbal jujitsu. a lot of times as like you know almost like what Jesus did a lot of times Jesus would be asked a question that they were trying to trap him and he'd turn right around and ask another question back and so uh, Greg wrote this book and uh to do that and greg is um, very well studied on apologetics and you know this the whole idea of uh, christian philosophy and um he's spoken around the country at a lot of different college campuses and uh he uh has uh, had his own radio show i don't i'm not sure if he still even has his own radio show but uh, he did that for 30 years and uh, basically christianity is worth thinking about and he has an organization now called Stand to Reason, str.org. You can go there for um, resources and everything. And again, uh, we're just waiting on Greg to call in. But he's got he's got a new book coming out, and uh, his his new book is called uh, Street Survival uh, or Street Smarts, actually using questions to answer Christianity's toughest challenges. And uh, that book is out. It just came out. And uh, he, he goes through our culture, how polarized our culture is now and how divisive our culture is. And a lot of times Christians don't know how to engage in conversation. They're not sure about how to, how to even start a question with somebody who uh, has problems with Christianity and all that. And that's what that book is about. And, uh, and so I'm glad that he's going to be joining us today to talk about his new book as well as some of the uh well even to talk about tactics uh we i enjoyed talking to him last time about tactics because uh i'm a huge colombo fan and uh that is um with some of the things he makes references to the old tv show colombo there and uh in his book and uh, talks really just goes through a lot of different ways that you can use questions to uh to go further in conversations with people and um and so okay i just got a one minute signal from jeremy well jeremy while we're waiting i 
I just want to get a thumbs up. Did we get Christmas music on today? Oh, uh, maybe. <laughs> Listen, I I went I went by the Starbucks on the way here. They've got Christmas up already. They've gone away from autumn. It's already Christmas. They got red everywhere, and so and I said I asked the guy behind the counter. I said, "Y'all got Christmas up already? We ain't celebrated Thanksgiving." He said, "We love red." I said, "You like red better than orange?" He goes, "Yeah." So uh, anyway, well, uh, again, you're listening to SWAT Radio. If you're just flipping through the dial. If you're in Jacksonville, uh, you're on 91.7, and St. Augustine, 91.9, and Folkestone, Georgia, 91.3. Up in uh, Portsmouth, Virginia, in the Virginia Beach area, it's on the lighthouse up there. And uh, in Meridian, Mississippi, WMER and WMOX. And so um, thank you for listening, and I hope uh, you'll stay tuned with us because Greg is – on the line i see the line blinking that means he is uh he is here now greg i think hey. we finally got you here how are you brother uh, uh, i'm doing okay doug sorry about the delay there a little mix up here on this end but glad to talk to you again oh no no worries i'm i'm glad you're here you're you're out there near sean aren't you sean mcdowell yeah, aren't you? Aren't you? How's, how's sean yeah. doing well, he's uh, been ailing a little bit for the last few weeks, but he's been on the mend, and I'll actually see him next week in uh, Minneapolis where we have one of our events, uh, a big giant event. We should have about 4,000 young people there for our Reality Student Apologetics Conference. So we're jazzed about that, and uh, he's on his feet, and so I'm sure we'll see him. Well, but he's still a little bit on the mount. Well, tell him we're praying for him at SWAT Radio, and uh, we hope he gets well soon. Great. I saw that he had a couple of issues he was having to deal with, so glad glad he's on the mend. Well, how's how's uh, Greg doing? <laughs> well, uh, doing pretty well. Been jumping and hopping because of all the interviews for this new book that I'm very excited about, and uh, it's being received really well on Amazon, and the reports are in, and uh just glad to see the way people are receiving it. And I'm, I'm glad that it's out in the market. I've been working on this for quite a while, and uh, I think it's going to be a tremendous help to Christians who are trying to manage on the street, as it were, where they feel vulnerable in talking about spiritual issues and ethical issues pertaining to Christianity. So uh, I'm pretty jazzed about that. And it's kept me really busy, uh, Doug. Well, I, your, your last book, you and I went back and forth a lot on your 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 first book tactics or the you know the we did. It, it, and I, I i was sharing with people before you came on the air one of the things i loved about it is i i love the the tv show colombo and you know uh-huh. he was so disarming <laughs> that you, you you know people wrote him off because he was so disarming but he was really uh-huh. very very smart he was just guarded right. smart and we live That's in a exactly world today right. where we kind of puff our chest out a little bit, don't we? If we know something, and at least you see that a lot with politicians or with people out uh-huh. in the public arena. Talk a little bit about that, Greg, how that, how doing that really doesn't create bridges for you to con- have conversation. It, it kind of uh, just further builds up walls, doesn't it? Yeah, well, there's, yeah, it does. And there are actually two two groups of people who are puffing up their chests. On the, on the, the one hand, uh, there's the secular world. And, uh, and these folks generally speak with so much confidence 
about their view mm-hmm. that uh, that they couldn't possibly be mistaken. Mm-hmm. Of course, their view is right. Alternate views are silly. I was just watching something on uh, uh, something Dennis Prager put out yesterday. Many of your listeners probably know Dennis and Prager U or uh-huh. Prager University. And uh, it was an interview a guy was doing on the streets because of the books that are being put in elementary schools that are basically pornographic books that are promoting pornographic stuff, Mm. especially LGBT stuff. And so first he asked the people, do you believe in banning books? And they said, no, absolutely not. There is no justification for betting with these, all these mothers, right? Mm-hmm. And they're all, and then he says, so what about this stuff that's in the library of your school, children's school? Would you read this line? And they start trying to read it and they can't even read it. Mm-hmm. They see the pictures. They can't even, they're so aghast. But so this is, makes the point that on one side, at least, their views are really strongly held with confidence until they see a clear case on counterexample, then they realize, wait a minute, this isn't the kind of stuff I want my kids to have access to in the school library. On the other side, though, especially with the more aggressive Christians, people that had some training in apologetics, you know, and, and they know a few things, sometimes we get too aggressive, too. And that was certainly true of me when I was first a Christian. Even when I didn't know anything, I was still really aggressive with my chest puffed out and all that. And the more I learned, the more dangerous I got in the sense that I could puff out my chest and do more damage because I thought I knew a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it took a while for the Lord to rein me in and teach me that uh, this is not the route to persuasion. Mm-hmm. Um, if if I'm preaching and thumping people on the chest and telling them how wrong they are and how right I am, if that's kind of my posture, well, people don't want to listen to that. Mm-hmm. God can still work through it, you know, but we can make it a whole lot easier if we just changed our manner. Mm-hmm. And gentle as doves, Jesus says, but shrewd mm-hmm. in our approach. And that's that's basically, and you know this, Doug, this is what I try to do with the first book, Tactics, a game plan for discussing your Christian convictions. And then the follow-up book, which was like a sequel, this is the one we're talking about now, Street Smarts, Using Questions to Answer Christianity's Toughest Challenges. Mm-hmm. Well, and the the questions, though, um, my wife and I, um, uh, over the past really four years, we we have a, a ministry friend that has been a third-party listener to us, helping us work through different oh. communication issues. And one uh-huh. of the things that made him so outstanding and what he taught us more than anything is the, the, the importance of questions. And yeah. we're so, we tend to want to just assign something to somebody instead of getting them mm-hmm. to say it with their own mouth. And when you ask them a question, why do you feel this way or why do, why does this bother you or whatever you're able to mm-hmm. to gain more understanding and that's one of the things i appreciated about tactics is when people have bought into faulty reasoning and you ask them questions it surfaces that and it's all, sometimes it's pretty embarrassing as you further delve into the questions to hear them say it i mean my friend said you got to be careful with it because Sometimes it exposes in a way that's pretty raw <laughs> as you're asking mm-hmm. the questions, right? He, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well I the, I uh I certainly have experienced that and 
the dialogues in Street Smarts um, actually are meant to lead us to what might be called a mic drop moment, but we are not trying to make a person feel bad, Mm -hmm. but we are trying to help a person get a clear picture of where their view leads and what, what uh, is wrong with the view that they hold uh, counter to Christianity or what's wrong with the challenge that they've just put to the Christian, which they think is a sound challenge. A problem of evil is an example of that. And maybe I'll get into this in a little bit because we have some time to talk about details here. But I, um, the problem of evil turns out not to be a problem for Christians the way most people think it is. Mm-hmm. It's a, because it fits into our story. Mm-hmm. I mean, our story starts with the problem of evil in the third chapter, you yeah. know, and then it doesn't get solved till 66 books later. Yeah. So it is at home in our story, but it is not at home in the atheist story. And that's, that's like a shocker to a lot of people mm-hmm. because they think the problem of evil is a good case against Christianity. It's not. It's a good case against atheism. And I explained why in Street Smarts in the chapter titled Evil, Atheism's Fatal Flaw. Mm-hmm. And, of course, then go into details about how you could use questions talking with an atheist about the problem of evil and how you can expose that flaw to them to get them thinking. Mm-hmm. And as you know from the tactics book here, I'm, I'm, I'm not into—now, this is going to seem— extreme to some people, but hear me out on this one. I am not into praying with people to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Yes. What? Why not? Because that wasn't the New Testament motif. Yeah. You don't see a single case in the Gospels or the Book of Acts mm. where that happens. You don't see a single altar call yeah. in the Gospel or the Book of Acts. Now, Doug, you know I'm not against that, obviously, and I've used that in the past, whatever, but there are a whole lot of people who think that that's the way it's got to be done, and because when they talk to somebody, they got to get to the gospel, and they've got to try to get them to sign on the dotted line. That's the whole goal. Well, if that's where they have to go, they're not going to go at all. They're mm-hmm. going to sit on the bench, because mm-hmm. them sounds like fighting words, right? Yes, sir. And so uh, what I tell them is you don't have to worry about that. And the the harvest takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting, Jesus said in John 4, he said that there are some who sow and some who reap. And he's telling the disciples after the encounter with the woman at the well that they are about to reap where they did sow. Because, he says, now's the time for the harvest in Sychar. Mm-hmm. You say there are four months and then comes the, the harvest. I say to you, look on the fields. And I think he's referring to Sychar there, not every field. These are white with harvest. They're ready to go. You watch. And the idea there is when the when the fruit is ripe, the, it falls into the basket. Mm-hmm. The harvest is easy. When I became a Christian in September 28, 1973, my brother had come up to my apartment uh, where I was there in West L.A. to tell me more about Jesus. And I told Mark, I said, look, you don't have to tell me more about Jesus. I've already decided I want to become a Christian. Mm-hmm. Actually, the way he tells it, I said, I already have become a Christian. In either case, I harvested myself, right? Of course, we know it was the Holy Spirit that did the harvesting. But um, no, I was ready, and all it took was a bump, and I fell into the basket. Okay, what what took the work to get me ripe, as it were, was Mark's months and months of talking to me over time. Now, I'm going to call that gardening. Mm 
because that's what I want people to think about doing, the gardening. And just to put a sharper point on this, Doug, um, I now, when I speak, I have been speaking the last couple of months on Street Smarts in quite a few places because the book came out in September. And so I just tell them, I said, look, I'd rather tell them, I, I, I make this point about gardening and then I take a poll. Mm-hmm. And here's what I ask them. Raise your hand if you're a Christian and you did not become a Christian by praying the sinner's prayer, you know, with someone leading you to Christ or by walking down the aisle with an altar call. And I promise you, 60 to 70 percent mm-hmm. of the audience consistently raises their hands. More than two thirds of the people that are in, in the places I poll, and I do it every single time now to make a point, I say, look around you did not harvested themselves, Uh you know, the fruit fell into the basket. God was responsible for that. And that's why I want to encourage people, don't worry about that. Mm -hmm. If I could give you some gardening tools, maybe you'll get off the bench and into the garden. And it's not hard with the tactical game plan and the street smarts approach. Well, no, and I, I'm so excited about this. And even just what you're sharing, you know, uh, you I know you you aren't listening to SWAT radio because you're out doing all these interviews, but we have been talking, uh, we, we've been working through the gospel of Mark. And what's interesting is we have been focusing on the way Jesus called people to respond, to repent, to believe and follow in response to uh, his declaration. And uh-huh. somewhere along the line, we became convinced that it was almost like selling a car or selling some policy or something that we just had to get people to sign on the dotted line instead right. of just being viable witnesses of our own belief and our own faith and putting him on display to the world and then talking to people about the differences in our life and our values and all that stuff. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and having what you would call fruitful gardening conversations, right? Having yeah, those kind of yeah. things. And so I, I am excited that you, you wrote this book because uh, it, it's needed, especially uh, when I saw one of the, the uh, motivations was in light of all the things that have changed since tactics first came out, like in our culture, like, we're at a much different place now, aren't we, than where we were when tactics came out? Hello? Uh-oh. Are you still there? I don't know if he... Maybe maybe he muted me. Uh, you, you might have muted... If you can hear me, uh, Greg, I think you're muted. Or <laughs> Maybe he didn't like that question. Uh, so, well, we're talking to Greg Kokel um about his book tactics and so he is uh we've had a little bit of a technical difficulty i'm not quite sure what happened um i'm looking to see if he sent me a message but he has not so we will try to get him back his book that uh he he just came out in september is called street smarts and uh it's using questions to answer Christianity's toughest challenges. And uh, Greg, if you're just tuning in, is the founder uh, and president of Stand to Reason, which is an organization that trains. Uh, Jeremy, is he still on the line? Yeah. Um, Maybe. um, Can can we go to break real quick? Or is it go to a break and then we'll try to uh, cut him off and we'll, we'll try to get him right back. Okay. 
So we're going to take a quick break, try to get Greg back on the line. You're, you're listening to SWAT Radio. We're talking to Greg Kukul and about his new book called Street Smarts. And stay tuned. We'll be right back. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.acedoor.com. The Florida-Georgia Truth Network, serving Anastasia Island at Welcome back to SWAT Radio. Sorry, Greg, we lost you. We were just getting into a little hallelujah course there, all right? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that was my bad. I leaned over to grab my Bible to make a point out of Mark two, and it tugged on my headset wire, and then, and then it, it just, 86, man, it, 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 uh, it, it died on me. So now That's I'm okay. Well, hey, I'm back. just glad we got you on here, and, and thank you for tactics and street smarts i really appreciate you taking the time uh i know you're 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 you know you're a guy who's traveling around doing a lot of training and you your goal is you want to help christians be able to effectively communicate their faith and uh i'm just thankful for your time today to be on here and and wanted to tell you thank you for your book by the way i have not read it i ordered it it comes in tomorrow so I'm, oh, okay. I'm, I'm looking forward to pushing through it because I, 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 yeah, I, good. I, I, I appreciate, but I know from tactics, um, I'm, I'm just heavily anticipating reading it and looking forward to how it's going to help as I train people, yeah. because it, it, it really, I love this idea of fruitful gardening versus what I would call a contract close, right? I mean, like that's just yes, a, that's right. a, it's a very different mindset in how we do it. So did you, did you get your Bible? You, you know where you want to go? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I have it. Oh, I was just thinking of, of uh, Mark chapter two. And that's because you were talking about the way Jesus communicated and, and it wasn't like he's, he's trying to close the deal on people. You know, he's communicating the truth in a variety of different circumstances. He's doing pretty dramatic things to verify the points that he's making, and Mark chapter 2 is a great example, that's where he heals the paralytic. Mm -hmm. But it's very interesting the way he does it, because um, when the paralytic is lowered through the ceiling, if you recall that circumstance there, because Jesus, you know, he was in the middle of this house, and there were all kinds of people around him, you know, nobody could get in. He was uh, like, it was a mob scene there, standing room only. So folks climbed, the buddies of this paralytic climbed up the roof, lowered him down, and uh, they tore the roof apart and lowered him down. And then Jesus says 
your sins are forgiven you. Mm-hmm. He sees the faith of the friends. He says your sins are forgiven. Pretty bold statement, right? Yes. And uh, so this is this is the substance of his communication. It's about forgiveness of sins right here yeah. as essential part of the kingdom coming into place. And, of course, the, the scribes and Pharisees, the religious leaders think, geez, nobody can forgive sins but God alone. Pretty bold statement that Jesus was making. And so Jesus says this, he says, in order that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins, I say to you, arise, take up your pallet, and go home. And of course, there was a traumatic healing there, and he got up and he got out. And this was a visible miracle or sign or visible evidence that Jesus claims that people couldn't see forgiveness of sins were actually verified by something they could see, this mm-hmm. miracle. And what, what you, and you didn't have then, Jesus saying, and anybody else who wants their sins forgiven, would you come forward here and kneel here and blah, <laughs> yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. The altar call, you know. But the result, of course, is many, he was continuing to teach them. And uh, he went out again by the seashore, and all the people were coming to him, and he was teaching them. So he's communicating information. He's not giving altar calls. But the communication of the information is the substantive information, and people are in the process of believing him as they hear his message, and they see the signs. Mm -hmm. They they went hand in hand in many cases. Now, we don't work miracles for the most part. Occasionally, God is going to answer a prayer and do something radical. But for the most part, we can't say, okay, here's our message. Now we're going to work a miracle to show the message is true. We have something else. We have apologetics. We have reasons. We have a rationale. And we can offer the reasons and rationale to people as we reason with them, just as Paul did in the book of Acts, um, with Jews in the synagogue, with Scripture, and with non-Jews, like in the Areopagus, with a line of thinking, with Mm -hmm. a line of reasoning. He didn't pull out any Bibles then in the Areopagus. He didn't uh, also didn't uh, work any miracles there, but he did proclaim the truth about Jesus in a very clever way. And this is what we have at our disposal here. It's one of the reasons that I wrote. Uh, I write the book, books that I do and uh, what we do at Stand to Reason, providing the substantive reasons why we should take the words of Scripture seriously and the broader Christian worldview seriously. And this is why I wrote Street Smarts, because and you'll find this out tomorrow, Doug, when you get your copies, yeah. which I hope is true for a whole bunch of people listening. Yeah. They go to Amazon, they'll get it overnight. But uh, they'll find that what I've done is I've taken a whole host of areas that are the kinds of things that people are confronting now. And many of them we weren't confronting 15 or 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kinds of things they're confronting now, and I have two chapters on atheism. I have a chapter on the problem of evil. I've got a, a chapter on can we be good without God? That's kind of a new development. I have two chapters on abortion. I have two chapters on the Bible, one science in the Bible, and another one dealing with the Bible problems like slavery or alleged genocide in the Bible. I have two chapters on Jesus, about Jesus being the Son of God and the only way of salvation, and other details that are being challenged about Jesus of Nazareth. Um, I have a chapter on gender sex and marriage, and this is all new from 15 years ago, really, mm-hmm. uh, in the marketplace of ideas. And so and what I'm doing in each of those cases is I'm actually doing two things. You know the tactical game plan is based on using questions. Mm-hmm. So we're using questions to gather information. 
we're using questions to find out the um, the reasons that people have the contrary views that they have. We're interviewing them. That's the first part of it. Just mm-hmm. getting different kinds of information with different questions that we ask. Uh, what do you mean by that? Or how did you come to that conclusion? Or something like that. Well, uh, but the third step of the game plan. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say we've got a break for the news on the half hour. So could you come okay. back and tell us those three steps of the game plan again when we come back after the break? Absolutely. Yeah, I want you to do that. And I want to let listeners know, one, they can go to str.org. That's str, which stands for Stand a Reason, to see resources, training. Uh, you can uh, arrange training there. And I'll talk more about that in the second half hour. Go to Amazon.com and order Street Smarts. If you just put in Street Smarts, it'll pop up and you can order it and get it in a day. And uh, we're talking to Greg. Is it Cockle or Kukle? This is Roger with The Truth Radio, and we're sending Bibles to the world. Here's Michael with the Bible League. Roger, this is alarming outside of the U.S. As many as 9 of 10 new believers in the regions of Asia, Africa, the Middle East, and Latin America have no access to the Bible. Hear from Pastor Carlo. He is in South America. Everyone wants to read the Bible, but what happens, there are a few copies here in the area. Many of them will be sharing a single Bible. What's the problem here in America? Plenty of Bibles, maybe not a strong interest in reading those Bibles, but in other parts of the world like South America, Christians, they're hungry. They're sharing Bibles just to be able to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. But I can tell you, we're so thankful at Bible League that Truth Radio and Bible League are teamed up to bless 1,200 Bibleist believers. And Roger, it happens with every call and with every click today. $5 cents a Bible, 100 cents 20. Call 800 Yes Word, 800 Y E S W O R D, or click the Bible League banner at ilovethetruth.com. Expect delays because of a multi-vehicle crash on Butler Boulevard eastbound at the ramp from Gate Parkway. Also, there's a broken-down vehicle on Blanding Boulevard southbound at Lake Gray Boulevard blocking the left turn lane. And there's a disabled vehicle on I-10 westbound at U.S. 17 Roosevelt Boulevard blocking the right lane. Mostly cloudy tonight, low 58. Friday, partly sunny, high 72. From the Traffic and Weather Center, I'm A.J. The night went to the little land. Do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little land. Do you see what I see? A star, a star dancing. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's uh, Doug McCary with Greg Kokel, uh, the author of the book Tactics. And also now he's got a new one that just came out in September called Street Smarts. And I'm so excited to have him on um, on the program today. And, you know, Greg, I was thinking um, also in the break about Mark 2. One of the things, the way Jesus responded is with questions there. He didn't just make a statement. He responded with why mm-hmm. you know why do you why are you thinking this way like why why do you question these things in your heart and which is easier to say he asked them questions and then 
puts on exactly. a display there. It's it was really good. So that that's a that's a really good thing. Well, before we went to break, you were um, telling us about kind of three three steps in that that tactical game plan. Uh, can you start back right. with one real quick and just review one and two, and then give us the third again? Sure. Yeah, uh, it's actually very very simple. The game plan. The first two steps are the simplest. And that means you don't need to know anything <laughs> in order to use them and begin to be effective. It's amazing because you're asking two simple questions. The first thing we're going to do when we encounter somebody that we think might have a spiritual conversation with, or if they're challenging Christianity, is we want to get clarity on their view. Okay. And so we're going, to, we're going to gather information, and we're going to use some form of the question, what do you mean by that? Okay. okay, what do you mean by that? So if a person tells me, well, I'm an atheist, I say, well, what kind of atheist are you? Mm-hmm. I don't start thinking about, okay, how can I dissuade him of his atheism and, uh, and, and give him a good argument for God? I'm just going to ask, what kind of atheist are you? I'm curious. Give me more information, basically. Or if they say, um, well, what about the problem of evil? And I'll say, what about it? <laughs> and I say, well, it's a problem for you, isn't it? I said, what's the problem? And I'm not trying to be cute. I'm just Mm. trying to get as much information from them as possible. So that's the first thing. Get clarity on their view. That's the first step of the game plan. Use some form of the question, what do you mean by that? The second step is to get the reasons why they hold their view. Okay, so if he explains what he means by being an atheist, I say, okay, why are you an atheist then? Why are you convinced there is no God? I don't know what he's going to say. Uh-huh. I want to listen and hear what it is. Now, there are a variety of things he might say, okay? And uh, he might say, for example, well, um, you know, I don't see any evidence for God, okay? Uh-huh. So when he does that, I'm going to step in to the third step of the game plan. So the first step is to find out what their view is, gather information about that. What do you mean by that? The second, reasons for their view How did you come to that conclusion? What are your reasons for that? Do you have any evidence for that? Not as a challenge, as a question to gather information. Okay, now I know he's an atheist. He doesn't believe in God because there's no evidence, he thinks. Okay, so I said, do you mind if I ask you a few questions? He said, no, go ahead. And I did this with an atheist uh, during a Q&A at the University of Toronto. Done it with a number of people, but in this particular case, he's standing at the microphone, raises the issue. I say, do you mind if I ask you a a few questions. Now, that's a nice little lead-in, mm-hmm. because I'm asking permission, all yes. right? And then he says, no, go ahead. And I say, um, okay, do you, th- the first few are pretty simple, I told him. I said, uh, but play along with me. Do you think that things exist? He said, yeah, this microphone exists. Okay, great. I can work with that. Okay. Um, I agree with you, things exist. Second question, the things that do exist, whatever they are, have they always existed? Okay, now I'm getting back to the origin of the universe issue, okay? And just for our listeners to know, everybody believes the universe had a beginning. Mm -hmm. Christians believe it, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Non-Christians believe it too, because of Big Bang cosmology. Mm -hmm. Now, Big Bang bothers some Christians. I don't want them to worry about that right now. We are not talking about the age of the universe here. All we're discussing is whether or not the universe had a beginning— and the implications of that. Now, of course, the atheist believes it had a beginning, and that's what he said. Yeah, I think it all began at the Big Bang. Okay, 14, 17, 14 billion years, whatever he wants <laughs> to say about it. Fine. Okay. I agree with you. 
I think the universe had a beginning too. Notice two steps so far, simple questions, simple answers. We're both in agreement. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's the final question I told the gentleman at the microphone. I said, this is the really important one, all right? What caused everything to come into existence? And by the way, there's only two possibilities, either something or nothing. Okay. Something or nothing. That covers the bases, right? Mm -hmm. So what do you think? That's what I tossed back to him, okay? And now he's stuck because he doesn't want to say something because he's an atheist, right? And something would have to be outside of the material universe. He doesn't want to go there. And that would have to be something really powerful, really smart, probably a person, obviously, to start the creation going. And that sounds too much like God to him. Mm. But what's his only alternative? His only alternative is to say, Nothing caused the universe for no reason and with no purpose, right? Yeah. Which is the only alternative. But that sounds kind of bizarre because that's worse than magic, right? In magic, you have a magician pulling a rabbit out of the hat, but now you've got no magician and you got no hat. You know, you just have the universe popping into existence. So, So I'm just leaving him with that, okay? Now, I'm not trying to prove God. I'm I'm not trying to say it's impossible that something could come from nothing, though that's what I actually think. I'm just trying to get him thinking which alternative of the only two alternatives for the beginning of the universe that we both agree on, which alternative is the smart one, Mm. which is the odds-on favorite. And um, our view is the odds-on favorite, because we don't see things popping into existence all around us here, you know? So notice there, Now, I've led the atheist down the primrose path, so to speak, with some fair questions to bring him to a point where he's now got to tell me what he thinks is the most reasonable thing. Mm -hmm. And the most reasonable thing is my view, not his. And that ought to be obvious to everybody. But notice something else that I did here. This, Doug, I really, this is very important to street smarts because it's embedded in every single issue that I deal with with questions. And the the dialogue I just offered you is in Street Smarts in the atheism chapter. Okay. And it's in and that kind of dialogue is on every single issue with every single weakness that I show of the views that we talk about in Street Smarts. Okay. What I did was instead of just giving the argument, like saying, well, there are things that exist and they haven't always existed and therefore they came into existence and something had to cause them to come into existence, therefore God exists. <laughs> Well, that's basically the argument, right? Yeah. yeah. But notice, I'm just preaching there. Mm-hmm. And every single time I make a step in the, 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 uh, the argument, he can jump in and disagree. Well, maybe we're just butterflies dreaming. Who knows? Who's to say the universe didn't last forever and on and on and on, and we're in a big argument? I didn't do that. What did I do? I used not statements, excuse me, but questions. Mm-hmm. And when I asked a question, the question was a simple, straightforward, common-sense question with a common-sense answer. Mm. Things exist. Yes, do they always exist? No, they came into being. He's telling me that. Mm-hmm. In other words, if I put the pieces on the table, he could just find fault with them. But instead, I asked him a question that got him to put the pieces on the table, and he's not going to take them off the table if he put them there. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the final moment, the kind of mic drop moment, you know, not to embarrass him, but just to get him thinking, this is what you're facing right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, what makes most sense? 
And now he's got a stone in his shoe, a big giant one. I'm not going to have an altar call. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm just going to let him think about it. Incidentally, with that atheist in Toronto, Canada, uh, when I was done, he well, here's what he said at the end. He said, well, I'm going to stick with a scientific answer. That's what he said. <laughs> and I said to him, but you haven't given any scientific answer. <laughs> That's good. Because he had and you know why? Because there is no scientific answer to the origin of the universe. Yeah. Because science can only work with the universe. It yeah. cannot work with the origin of the universe. That's right. That's it can't. Science doesn't define why. It just is a repeatable thing that you can define by the fact of the properties of whatever happened, right? I mean, that's what science yeah, is. That's right. You've got to have physical stuff to work with for science to do its job because it's an empirical method. Yeah. But you have to have empirical things, physical things, to be able to assess with your five senses to be able to draw conclusions about them to use the scientific method. Now we're using not the scientific method, but a philosophical principle that causes, I'm sorry, effects have causes that are adequate to the effect. If you hear a big bang outside, you're going to ask yourself, what caused that? What was that? Was that a car blowing its tire? Was that somebody shooting? What was that? Was it a sonic boom? What was that? Because you understand that big bangs have huh, a big banger, I guess, after a fashion. Yeah. And uh, so we're using really not a it's, a, it's a metaphysical principle, cause and effect, that science employs but strictly speaking, it's not a scientific principle. And so uh, so he's stuck. He, he was totally stuck. I'm hoping that the audience is going to see that the evidence on that issue is on my side and not his. But you can see there how the street smarts approach, seeing the flaw, then exploiting the flaw with a series of questions. So we end up with a final question that's, okay, there you go. I just connected all the dots. Now what? All your dots. Mm -hmm. Those are the dots that you gave me because I asked you the questions for them. Very powerful way of dealing with challenges, and that's why I call it street smarts. Okay, so I, I, being the Marine, I like everything. Like I, I got to have my little checkbox, right? One, two, three. All right. Number that's one for our <laughs> listeners, clarity on the view. We want to ask a clarifying question. What do you mean by that? Number two, yes. game plan in the game plan is reasons why they believe what they believe. Again, you're gathering information. Why are you convinced of this, right? That, that yeah. fill in the blank, whatever it is. Number three, I didn't really get, I, I, I you, you illustrated it, but what is, what is, right. what, what is number three in that game plan? Okay. So what you're going to do is you're going to still use questions, but you're going to use them to make a point. Use questions to make the point. The, I got gotcha. you. Make a point. Right. Now, of course, the point you make is something you have to know. Yeah. In the first two cases, you're just gathering information. Mm -hmm. All right? Yeah. And so you don't need to know anything except for the first two steps. Okay. Very simple. And by the way, you're in the shallow end of the pool when you do that. There's no, there's no uh, vulnerability to the Christian at all because the Christian's asking questions, not making statements. Mm -hmm. In the third case, though, you want to make a point, and you have to know what point you're trying to make yes. and what questions will lead up to the point you're trying to make. That would be helping them see the weakness or the flaw in their view. And that's really the bulk of street smarts. I give the backstory on different aspects of atheism, different aspects of the problem of evil, different aspects of abortion and Jesus and the Bible and gender, sex, all of these things. So the Christian reading the book 
can understand, oh, that's what's wrong with it. Now how do I get it into play? The answer, using questions. That's why the subtitle is called Using Questions to Answer Christianity's Toughest Challenges. So you have to know the question pertaining to the issue as well. And that's why I've given all of these dialogues. So I've given you the questions, and you can see how they play out in dialogue so you can make the point against their view. Very powerful. It is powerful. And I I just want to clarify this with you. If if somebody did not read Tactics, uh, first of all, shame on you, great book. (laughs) But if you haven't read Tactics, um, would it be okay to still get Street Smarts or should they get Tactics first to then go into Street Smarts? Like, is it a sequel book? Yeah, you're, you're asking the author of both books. So my advice would be to get both books. However, just to be clear, Street Smarts is a standalone book. That's what I'm, yeah. So the entire yeah. plan is explained there. The concept of gardening versus harvesting, I have a whole chapter there on that, and it's only in the introduction of tactics. Mm-hmm. So I expand on that quite a bit. The whole idea of putting a stone in someone's shoe Um all of those notions, why questions keep you safe and how they keep you safe, this is all expanded on in Street Smarts. Mm-hmm. So it is a standalone book. No problem there. Okay. I just wanted to clarify. I highly endorse Tactics. Uh, probably one of the best question books I've ever read as far as ha- having engaging wh- what I call being a former FBI agent and, and being trained to interrogate people and interview people to extract uh-huh. information. I love this book. And I think I told you during our uh-huh. first interview that when we went through the FBI Academy, we actually watched some Columbo episodes. They used it as teaching techniques. So that's one of the reasons uh-huh. I loved your, uh, no your, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't I tell you that? Well, I didn't, I didn't know if I told you that or I not. You might have, but that was a long time ago. Yeah. Well, I can't remember what happened last week. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> but, but know, I'm it, not surprised. It, it's good, because good book. So, um, hey, well, listen, I want to ask you a couple of questions that have come in real yeah, okay. quick, Greg. One of them is this. Um, in our current environment, people value ideology over reality or logic now. I mean, like in a lot of places, it doesn't matter if you can show them logically something, if their ideology it is strong, like, uh, p- for instance, whether it's about sexuality or gender or, or pol- politics, it doesn't matter. Their ideology always trumps reality. They, di- they basically dismiss truth. How do you deal with that person? You know, uh, Well, yes, and, and what you're describing, of the particular nature of what you're describing in our culture now has a name, and it's simply called relativism. Yes. That is, what people believe in their mind, their ideology, is more important than the way the world actually is. Uh-huh. All right? So you can, in the world, you have uh, an, any individual has certain sex organs, mm-hmm. e- either male or female, but that's irrelevant to the question of what gender they are. Mm-hmm. They, can, they, they, they can have an identity of a different gender, and that is reality to them. What's in their mind not what's in the world. So I have a whole chapter on the concept and, the, and uh, to help people understand the dynamic there. And uh, actually, it goes all the way back to the, to the fall, to Genesis chapter 3, and that's why I call this, the chapter is titled, The Primal Heresy, The First Heresy. 
okay. people believing what's in their mind and what their desires are rather than believing God and God's world, all right? So this is what they're up against, and it's very tough. I get that right now. And so I can't, there are no silver bullets I can offer anybody that's going to say, if you just do this one thing with them, this will work. Because what's at work here is a combination of willful rebellion based on a self-centered autonomy. I just want to do my own thing mm-hmm. kind of deal and satanic blindness. Mm-hmm. I mean, but John says the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Mm-hmm. Paul says, that's First John 5, in Second Timothy chapter 2, Paul says that they have been held, the world's been held captive by the devil to do his will. So we got a tough enemy, and the only one that can overcome that is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Our job is not to persuade people. Our job is to be persuasive, mm-hmm. but it is not to persuade. That's true. It's God's job to make the change, to lift the veil from their eyes, to mm-hmm. open their eyes to see, to convict of sin, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But we are to, to be able to speak graciously as as uh, as a uh, as as truthfully and graciously and persuasively as possible, and then let God do the work. But uh, on any given issue, we always can remember, and I got this from the late Francis Schaeffer, that every human being is made in the image of God. Yes, they're broken, but they are still made in God's image. And therefore, there are certain things that are going to be true about them that uh, and knowledge they have inside that they will not be able to get away from. And you're going to be able to hear this in the language they speak, okay? Mm -hmm. And I talk about that in different aspects of street smarts and also in tactics. Mm -hmm. So there's always going to be something we can begin working with, with a person. It's just like the the illustration I gave about atheism. They don't want to believe in God, and they think they're justified in not believing in God because there's no evidence. And then I give them some really straightforward, powerful evidence that's very simple to explain, as I did in the role play I offered earlier— now what? Well, they're going to have to think about that. But I, I promise you, I've talked to many people who had, you know, told me that they get these ideas, Christians represent these ideas, and they, they walk away kind of smug, but even so, that idea is working in their heart, and the Holy Spirit's using them, that idea. And eventually, in those cases, God turned them around. So that's what we can trust in. Okay, that that is good, and that that chapter you said is on primal heresy and street smarts. Is that right? Yeah, the title of that chapter is the primal heresy. Okay. In the first section of the book, I, I set up our, our the game plan and the chapter on questions and uh, helping understand the spiritual conflict in the street. This is all part of the setup in the part one, three or four or five chapters, and then I get into all of the issues in part two. So I want you to understand the foundational elements before we tackle uh, all the issues, and those are right there in the text. Hey, and I, I, I apologize because I, I did not mention, you, you have another good book out there called The Story of Reality that basically looks at the story of the world, <laughs> how it begins, yeah, exactly. how it ends, and, uh, and that's called The Story of Reality. It's also a good right. book, uh, Tactics and Street Smarts, his most recent book. And I just I want to highlight those because I have read um, Story of Reality and Tactics and highly recommend them. They're both great books. And Street Smarts has just come out at uh, the end of September, and uh, it's available now on Amazon. You can get all three there. If you just type in Greg's name, Greg Kokel, 
K-O-U-K-L. They'll come up and uh, you can order those. Uh, Greg, here, here's another question. Uh, I have an okay. older or I have older family members that are hardened unbelievers. They think being good or nice is all that is required. Any suggestions mm -hmm. in reaching older hardened unbelievers? Well, I'll just play out right now a little role play that comes to mind based on street smarts. And by the way, when you get the rhythm of this by reading the book and you see how I apply it to different issues, these things are going to come up automatically in your mind. Remember, the first step is to ask for clarification, uh -huh. gather information. So when you say, well, I think I'm, I'm basically good enough. I said, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a good person. Are you, are you saying that's what matters? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How good? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I... Are you, you know, what makes, so those are the questions I'm going to ask, right? Yeah. I want to get an idea of what you think is good. I said, so do you, um, okay, well, you know, try to be nice to people or be honest. Are you always nice to people? <laughs> well, I try. No, but that isn't what I asked. I asked, are you always nice to people? Well, um, not always, I guess, if I was really honest. Oh, okay. So you say that you're good and goodness means being nice. But it turns out that you admit that you're not always nice, so that means you're not always good. Mm -hmm. Am I understanding you correctly? Notice, by the way, all I'm doing is getting clarification at this point. It's just mm -hmm. all step one, mm -hmm. okay? So you're a mixture of good and bad. Yeah, but you think you're good enough, right? Okay, so where does the, where does the, uh, where's the median? Where, where do you cross over from not good enough to good enough on your system? How do you know you're going to get into heaven? because of your goodness i'm just curious i'm all i'm again see now i think there's a whole problem with this approach being good enough mm -hmm. and i think i talked about this problem in tactics actually mm -hmm. and give some questions there all right and i just start going down have you always honored god and everything in your life or have you ever put anything before god in your life well no i haven't always honored god. okay have you ever um have you always obeyed your parents when you were under your parents no, I guess I disobeyed. Have you ever told a lie? Uh, yeah. Have you ever taken anything that wasn't yours? Um, yeah, I guess I have. Oh, okay. So you know what I'm doing here, Doug. Mm -hmm. I'm just going down the basic 10, right? Yeah. You know, it, have you ever committed adultery? No, I never did that. Well, did you ever think about it? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, Jesus says that's pretty bad. Matthew chapter 5. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to do is I'm just using the basic 10, to show them they're not as good as they think they are. Okay, yeah. now what? So far, you haven't kept any of the of the Ten Commandments. I've only given you about half of them. You haven't kept any of them. Mm -hmm. So how could you say you're basically good? Mm -hmm. Now, keep in mind, my tone is like Columbo, you know, mild-mannered. I'm going in under the radar. I'm just trying to understand this. But now I am putting their system to work against them mm -hmm. by asking them specific questions. Now, maybe they'll have different answers to it. I don't know, but I'll have to deal with those answers when they come up. But I was just giving a role play to help people see. Now, there's no guarantee that hardened non-Christians are going to turn around when you help them to see they're not as good as they thought. Mm. You know, people say, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm no Hitler, to which I respond, good, mm. <laughs> one was enough, but you're no Jesus either. Mm. And you're probably, and so am I, more like Hitler than we are like Jesus. Mm. So now what? What do we do now that we realize goodness matters, but we're not we're not good. We're mm. not ultimately good. Oh, now you've got the bad news. Mm. 
Now there's an opportunity for the good news. Mm -hmm. There's a rescue because God has sent a rescuer to make it possible for bad people to be forgiven. Mm. And that's the gospel. That's really good. Well, thank you for for helping out with those questions. And I wanted to let our listeners know, we just have a couple of minutes left, that you guys, like you shared earlier, if you go to str.org, that's str.org, you can click on conferences. They have uh, Christian, basically Christian worldview conferences. It's man or maker uh, that you can go there and see. And also, They've got all kinds of great training resources, or you can invite Greg or others to come speak. That's str.org, and his book is Street Smarts. You want to get it. It's using questions to answer Christianity's toughest challenges. Also get tactics. Also get his book, The uh, History or the Story of Reality. Greg, thank you for giving us time Thursday. Uh, blessings on you and your ministry, and I pray that God would continue to use you to help people learn how to ask questions to 